Oh, 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 cheeky monkeys. Get on with it. Toppy, toppy. Good evening, everyone. My name is Carl. I welcome to a Burkup Wonderland and Arsenal podcast. Today with me, I have the person who is always here, Danny the Butter Monkey. How are you, sir? I'm very good, and I'm glad that you said you'd host, because I hate having to host, because I'm not good at it. All I'm good at is pressing record, and even that, I've been known to mess up. I'm this not going to ask how you are. I'll leave that for someone else. Oh, fine. So the racism started already. <laughs> um, Femi, you're with me as well. I see we're together once again, Femi. I'm not saying <laughs> that there's any casual racism within ABW, but three times we've put it together. What are they trying to say, Femi? What are they trying to do to us? I know, look at opposition as well, right at the bottom of the screen. <laughs> right, do you see what I'm saying? <laughs> this is a joke. How are you, though? I'm good, I'm good. Ready to pod. Good, good. And the most famous person that I know, at least, and the only man that follows me. No, he's not a liar. I do have someone else that follows me with a tick by their name. It is Simon Collins. Simon, how are you? I'm very good. That's a lie. You know Chris Carpenter, and he's more famous than me. He's definitely yeah. more famous. Only when the streets of Plymouth, but that's for reasons yeah. that we can't really discuss on the podcast. That's true. And how are you? Because no one's asked you how you are. Danny, bastards, very bastards, that's what they are. <laughs> I'm not too bad. I am happy. Good. I'm tired. I think I'm getting the flu, but besides that, nice. not too bad. So let's go straight into what we're going to talk about this evening. So, Simon, I'm going to stick with you because you're probably best or closest to this. Um, obviously, Unai's gone. We uh, found out was it Friday we found out that um Friday yeah yeah he um he left how did you find out from being a member of the press Simon uh it was an interesting one because as we now know um through the information that's come out the decision to sack Unai Embry was made earlier in the week when uh Raul and Vinay went to America to meet with Stan and Josh Kroenke um essentially meaning that that Frankfurt game was you know he was a dead man walking but as the press, you know, and quite incredibly, that's that information, that story hadn't come out until after Unai had gone. So, I mean, after the game on Thursday, um, Unai did his press conference. I was in the mix zone. I think the only player who stopped to speak to the media was Mustafi. And even then, he only spoke to the German media. Very few players we saw. Um, we did see Husfami come out. Vinai came out, admittedly looking, you know, pretty, pretty weathered, pretty shocked. We saw Raul and Edu. And it was all pretty quiet from in terms of a press and media viewpoint. There wasn't much coming out of the club and that gave a sort of inkling that, you know, something was going on. When you hear silence, when there's no noise, you expect a storm's coming. And sure enough, in the morning, it was around sort of eight o'clock um, shock. It was David Ornstein who, who tweeted the news that Emery was likely to go. Uh, and then it was officially nine minutes past 10 that the announcement came Um as a newspaper, we go to print at 11. So we were already sort of prepping a few things because we had an inkling he was going. I think most people thought that. So I'd written a piece about Lundberg. We'd started drafting a few different panels and stuff. And then when that came, we essentially had sort of 50 minutes to, to put it all together and get it in print, um, which we just about did. But it was a pretty frantic morning for us and uh, one I wouldn't like to recreate again, if I'm being honest. <laughs> I can imagine. Um, what was the the feeling sort of within the press? I think was it a fact that 
uh, it was time for him to go? Did um, some of the pe- journalists feel sorry for him? What was the, the general consensus? Yeah, I think you'll struggle to find anyone, you know, be it journalist or fan, who didn't think his his time was up. And I mean, I mean, there was a lot of stories. I mean, we've read all the stories that have come out now about Emery struggling to communicate with players. You know, we've heard about people taking the mick out of his accent. We've heard about all these stories about a lack of communication. And for me personally, um, I do have a bit of sympathy for him now. And I think perhaps we've seen that a bit from, from other sides of fans and maybe the press, simply because you just felt like he never really could get his point across or, you know, his style or his philosophy or any of that across, be that to the players or to us in the media, to them, the fans, you, you felt that language barrier was such a difficult thing for him. And there's no shame in that at all. I mean, I I think if I went to Spain or any of us went to a foreign country, there's no telling if we'd be able to embrace language. And I think we've seen with his record what he's done with Sevilla, you know, in his own country, how good a manager he could be. I just really think that it just wasn't working out. And I think it was best that for all parties that it ended because it was only going one way. And I know the club said they wanted to give him time, but I think we all knew, even after the Southampton game, which is when obviously Raul and Vin I subsequently flew to America that this this had run its course and um, I think it was the right decision for everyone to be honest. I, I kind of agree with you, Femi. Where was you when you heard the news? I uh, just following on from what Simon said. Do you think he'd be given the required time, and do you think it was time for him to go? Um, where was I? I was at home. I jumped up and down a little bit. I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> um, it's kind of weird because now that every the dust has settled, I think we've made a massive mistake here. Not in second Emery, but the amount of time we've taken to do it. Um, the international break, fair enough, was a perfect time. It would have given. I mean, we just we just lost basically more points, and we've just we're just throwing our season down the pan, really, haven't we? Because if you look at you know, we've dropped five more points because of the decision to sort of keep him a little bit longer. If you think of the Southampton game, we've drawn that game just about. And then obviously by installing a caretaker manager on sort of Friday, having to work with the team only on Saturday, you've, you've basically thrown away the, the Norwich game as well. So it's um it's a bittersweet one, isn't it, really? It's, uh, we've, we've made some massive mistakes there and I don't really know where we're going in terms of. I'm sure we'll discuss it more. The 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 management uh, managerial situation at the moment is it's a bit it's a bit of a weird one, really. Kind of to agree, Danny. Do you think that the language barrier was mainly Unai's hardest? or the thing that cost him his job. Do you think that because he couldn't put his point across, like Simon said, do you think that ultimately was the 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 the, the line in the sand? I think it didn't help with people taking him seriously because we, as as the English public, we expect everybody in the entire planet to speak English. Now, most people I know um, from other countries don't just speak their natural language; they're at their their own language. They speak English. They like like um, the woman who is on Strictly Come Dancing, the new judge. She's from Africa. She speaks German. She speaks English. She speaks whatever language, whatever country she's from there, because I'm not sure which country she's from. And automatically, she's fluent in three languages. Most people, are, like I speak to people that we know from, from Scandinavia. Oh, they'll speak Norwegian, Swedish, Danish. They'll speak um, English. They'll speak all of them. And so in this country, we look at people that don't speak English and go, well, they're obviously a moron. 
well, hold on, they speak, like Wenger spoke six languages or whatever it was. And I think that people judged people harshly in this country if you don't speak English perfectly. Now, we saw that when, when Poch first came to Southampton, his English wasn't that good. But then he learned it and then people take him seriously. So maybe it's not not maybe just the press, but maybe not not the press at all. It's the fans that look at him and don't take him seriously because he doesn't speak English. And trying to get your point across to some players, um, most of those players at Arsenal will be um, bilingual or multilingual. So I don't think the players had much of a problem with it, but he, he did struggle. And the the whole good evening thing, um, I, I used to think that was been that was just a nice thing. Like um, like you uh, you're going along with him and just going, oh, that's nice that he says that. But I think there's a bloke who just to sum up how the fans, some of the fans are. There's some absolute asshole who does this thing where he's pretending to be Emery and his eyes are going like this. He's doing that the whole time, go do like that. That bloke's an arsehole. And that's the kind of fan that has made Emery's time here really hard. I don't think it was just the the problem, the language barrier. I think it was a lot to do with him worrying and not wanting to lose. And you look some of the, the decisions that he's made formation-wise. And also the other major problem is bringing Ozil back into the team. Because as soon as you bring in Ozil, we can't play Ozil uh, Lacazette, Aubameyang and Pepe so Pepe's had to drop out and he's got loads of stick for that because Ozil as much as everybody wanted to come back he's not really done much has he and I think all of these things have all culminated in everything just falling apart and like like Femi was saying why do it now what, Spurs went Poch you're out Jose you're in there was virtually what five hours between one and the other I think it was or something like that Arsenal go oh yeah we're not playing over the international break that two weeks we won't do it then we'll wait the day after he's lost a game then we'll do it and then go nah we've got no real plans to get anybody else in so it's just yet more unorganizedness going on with um or unorganization going on with the club and but yeah I think the language did have a little bit to do with it but it's from what part of the uh, of the fan base that um, thought that was a bad side. I thought, well, you've learned to speak more Spanish than, or you you speak more Spanish than, no, you speak more of a foreign language than 99% of the English Arsenal fans because I don't know anybody who speaks another language. Danny, do you, Danny, Danny, do you think as well that they couldn't have said, they couldn't have gone, oh, look, we're going to give him time, you know, after that Leicester game, the statement came out and then literally sack him the next game. They couldn't have done that. I know they sacked him one game after, which even for me, I think still, you know, not really giving him time. Do you think they're not? They didn't tie themselves in knots a bit by saying, "Look, we're going to give him time." I don't they think should... whoever made that decision realised that when you do do a uh, um, a vote of confidence, that means you're gone within a week. I don't think they realise <laughs> that that's how football works in this country. That as soon as you say that, they've got to go. But I don't know. You say the Leicester game. I don't know any Arsenal fans who went, "Oh, yeah, we're going to go there and beat Leicester." No, Leicester are up there with Liverpool as two of the two best teams in the Premier League at the moment. And then it's going to be maybe um, uh, um, Man City and, and other teams like that in, in third best team. Anyone who thinks you're going to go to Leicester and win, it's madness. And I don't think that had anything to do with it. This is true. Simon, just a quick question. How did he, Emery, come across in press conferences? Just to um, go across off the bat, the language thing. Like, Was he hard to understand within press conferences when you asked him a question? Yeah, he generally was difficult to understand. Um I think as well, I, I don't know why he stopped having his translator, whether that was his decision or the club's decision, but the first season he was there, um, he had a guy called Danny Lane, who's a translator, who was with him for the whole season, who would sort of initially would help um, with translating the questions for Emery. So basically give it to him the question in Spanish and he could answer in English. And then towards the end, he would just help if Emery didn't fully understand something. It's a bit like what uh, 
Poch has with Jesus Perez. And he didn't have it this season. And I, I just wonder a bit if that might have helped with his understanding because sometimes he sort of misinterpreted the question and it was difficult. You know, he was sometimes the sentences would be you know said in a way where the order of the words would be the sort of wrong, wrong way around because, you know, in Spanish, it's in a different order of things like that. And it just was hard to get his opinion across and his point across. And that made it difficult for the press. And I think for him to communicate and it was telling, you know, occasionally we would have Spanish press conferences there. They would ask a question in Spanish um, I mean, there was one a few weeks ago about Sabayos saying, you know, what's the situation with him? Gave a long answer in Spanish. It was translated afterwards and it was really good. Uh, and, it, you know, completely understandable. But as we found with Premier League clubs, you know, we saw with Pochettino when he went from Southampton to Spurs, they want their manager to be speaking English in the press conferences as Emery wants to speak English because of a global brand and a marketing viewpoint. You need your manager there speaking English. I kind of uh, have to agree. So, uh, at present, we have our interim manager, which is uh, Frederick Lundberg. Uh, what do you think of that, Femi? Do you, are you happy about him taking charge in the interim, or would you like to see him long term? I think I think that that writing has been kind of on the wall pretty much most of the season. To be honest, a lot of people, as soon as he was uh, did the job shift with Steve Bold a few people just sort of said, hold on a minute, what, what's it all about? And it's sort of been noticed from then that, you know, that was probably what the route was. So I think a lot of people had come to accept that. Um, I think, like Danny said, the only thing with that was Tottenham put a bit of pressure on Arsenal with their their move for uh, Mourinho, which was the, the swiftness that it all happened. So... As far as Freddie, I mean, I didn't really watch that under 23s last season. I mean, I kept up on the results, so I saw that they were doing really well. So, I, But I don't know what kind of manager he is. He seems to be uh, sort of Arsene Wenger style. He, 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 he's branding himself on Arsene Wenger and sort of, he also says Sven Goran Eriksson as well. That's, that's sort of the two managers that he's mentioned so far. So, I mean, we've got no choice really. Um, I think what we need to know now is his, who are his backroom staff. I know it hasn't been announced yet, but we kind of need to know who he's surrounding himself with to sort of know, you know, what kind of manager he's going to be, what kind of football we're going to play, how long this can go on really. Because the longer it, that we don't appoint a backroom staff, the more it makes you think that they're trying to make an appointment of a manager probably quickly, aren't they? Uh, I think so. I, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about who's in the running uh, later. I uh, just want to touch on the Norwich game that we had. So, Danny, Freddie had the team for one training session and we went up to Norwich and drew 2-2. Just give me your quick synopsis uh, of the game in sort of your, your own words. I was, I, w- I was kind of hoping that Freddie would go. Well, I, was, I looked back at Freddie's last three games when he managed the under twenty threes, and I think we won three nil, five one, five nil, or, or some number of things like that. And then he played Saka in all of them, and uh, I was looking at his run of games where there was a massive run of games where he lost, I think, five games in a row as manager of the under-23s, but they coincided with three of the Europa League games. And so most of the players either played two games, one under-23, one for the main team, or they they went off with the main team. Like Eddie Nketiah, nine goals in nine games. Now, if Freddie would have had him for the entire under-23 season, he'd have probably scored about 25 goals. And there was other players that come through as well. So 
getting back to the question, I was hoping that he would go and do the things that all the fans have seen. So when I saw that Chambers was playing right back and that Kalasnic was playing left back, which Kalasnic can't play left back, he can play left wing back, but then we're only playing two centre backs. I thought, well, maybe Chambers is playing centre back. And I just think the whole thing looked a little bit confused. And you just thought with Freddie Lundberg being, I got told off for saying that name, Freddie Jungberg, it's not an L, silly me. You th- would have thought with him being a right midfielder and someone who's played the beautiful game under Wenger, he'd have put his arm around Pepe and gone, Pepe, son, you're playing. This is what you've got to do. I know what you need as from a manager and from the team and from the setup and the tactics for you to flourish. Didn't even, And we only used two subs in the game. We didn't play him. Then I thought, well, why no Bellerin and, and Tierney? But then Arscast was saying, pointed out today that they played on Thursday and they're both coming back from um, injuries. And so it's probably best not to play them. Playing Mustafi, I thought that was a little bit strange. But if any if any one of the players has, has shown um, great mental fortitude is the amount is Mustafi for the amount of grief he got last season, been dropped to the Europa League and League Cup games, played well in all of them and hasn't complained, hasn't moaned. But there again, the club, I think the club told him he can leave and he hasn't left. And so for him to get back in the first team, I think that's that just shows if you work at it um, that you can can get your way back. But then he scored the end goal, which wasn't really his fault. But the entire setup, I wasn't happy with it. But if I knew anything, I'd be a manager. But I really expected Freddie to go, I see what all the problems are, like every Arsenal podcast does, and go and solve them immediately. But from when he was made manager to when that game started, that's 48 hours, it's, uh, it would be a little bit like trying to cheat, teach Jace how to speak English. You can't teach him the entire language at once. You have to teach him little bit by little bit. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, so... I think it's, it's going to be changes and they're going to be slow when they come through, but it is going to happen. But I personally, I think we played the wrong formation. Pepe should have played that game. Simon, do you think that Freddie would try anything drastically new to try and sort of put his mark on the team? Or do you think he'd try and keep it status quo? Uh, no, I think we will see him put his own stamp on it. I mean, the interesting thing, when you appoint someone who's been there before in the backroom staff, you know, when he, when he, Freddie would talk about problems and issues in the team, I mean, the question that sort of springs to mind is, well, why weren't you addressing those before? I mean, the argument you'll say is, okay, he was maybe saying them to Emery and, and Emery wasn't changing them. But there is that point where, you know, if you were part of that staff before and you saw these problems, why weren't they being addressed? But I definitely think Freddie will, will put his own stamp on it. Um, speaking to people who watched the under-23s last season, he normally played a sort of 4-2-3-1 um, Saka and Amici were the two sort of wingers. They'd swap sides quite a lot. He liked having Joe Willock as that number 10. And, and I thought it was quite telling that even on Sunday against Norwich, it was Willock who got the forward central role and not Ozil. So that's probably a sign of how much Jumberg rates him. Um, so I definitely think we'll, we'll, he'll try and put his imprint across. It's just whether how much he can in this amount of time, particularly when the games, you know, Arsenal are playing twice a week. He, again, he's only had his first real proper session today because on Friday it was a recovery session. Saturday you know, was sort of shape work for Norwich, Monday off. So today is the first sort of proper session he's had. It's, it's going to be difficult, I think, for him to really get his style across in this amount of time, this busy power period. We always say pre-seasons when they do it. So I think we will certainly see him try it. Whether he actually gets it and gets the time to do it is a different question. I mean, I have to agree with you. I think that, like you said, today was his first proper training session. And like I said, the games are coming thick and fast. And like Danny said, we're all expecting miracles, aren't we? We're expecting uh, Freddie to come in, wave his magic wand and just, you know, change everything that's inherently wrong with Arsenal. And I don't think, I think being realistic, you have to know that 
our defense is a shambles. It, there is something really, really wrong with our defense. It doesn't matter who you put in the certain about partnership, whether it be Socrates, whether it be Louise, whether it be Mustafi, it, it makes no difference. There's something inherently wrong with our defense. And I think maybe you and I tried to sort that out and obviously just didn't manage to do it. Personally, I think if our go-to centre-back is David Louise, I think that we are <laughs> definitely in trouble. But I guess that's something to sort out. Maybe, I don't think he'll get a January transfer window. Who knows? He might not be in charge back then. Um, but I mean, these, are, these, these are deep, uh, deep-rooted issues, aren't they, Carl? Like, these, are, these are issues we've been talking about on this podcast for, you know, four or five years. We've spoken about problems with the defence at the back end of the Wenger game, problems with the away form. So, I mean, it, I think we're asking a lot if we're expecting, you know, Freddie to come in and solve these problems that we've spoken about, I mean, for years on it. I, I totally agree. I think that, you know, me and Danny used to speak about all the time, if you change all the players and the only thing that was ever present was Arsene Wenger, was he the problem with the defence? Uh, some might argue that, he maybe was, and we don't. We there's rumors about how Arsenal didn't need to do defensive training in in training. I very much doubt that's true. However, it, it, the way they played, it kind of seemed like it. We've got a new manager, Unai's come in, and you know, it, at the beginning of his tenure, he done quite well. You know, he we had twenty was it twenty two games unbeaten. So you got to kind of give him credit for that. But then, ever since then, we have just declined and our defence have just gone into meltdown where we are making mistake after mistake after mistake. And people thought that Xhaka was a problem. Xhaka come out of the team, we still had the same issues. So, yeah, you like his best time. We can't expect Freddie to come in and just, you know, fix the defence. I mean, I'd be happy if he did. I think everyone in and around the club would be happy. But how much time does he give that the Norwich game, 2-2 result. Femi, do we write that off? Do we say, right, you know what, that was your initiation game. We can't judge you based on that result. Or do you have to go straight in and say, well, Freddie, it wasn't good enough. Um, we need to play better. Um, you know what? Some of the things, I mean, Simon, were you at the press conference today or you, you weren't really? I was, yeah, I was there today, yeah. Yeah. Don't you think that it was refreshing to hear a manager talking about what was actually the problem with the team and mm. you could actually understand it? So when he's talking about transition and he's talking about sprinting, players are sprinting straight. It's the things that we've been saying for a while, but to hear the manager actually articulate it and say, I know what the problem is and it's something that I can coach. Those are the words that he was saying. So he just needs time, unfortunately, if you look at our fixture list, we've literally got no time. So we've got, you know, sort of this Thursday and Monday to, you know, it shouldn't be difficult, but the way our form is, two difficult games. Any away game is basically a write-off at the moment. And then you're into a run of sort of Man City's and Chelsea's, Everton away's, games like that. So he's he's just been dropped into a baptism of fire, basically, and unfortunately, he's going to have to learn very, very quickly. Um, I think one of the things that he needs to look at is if there's certain things in our team that if it's not been working, there's just no way it's going to, it's, it's not going to work. So there's certain players that if you keep playing them, it doesn't matter what happens. It's just not going to work. There's, there's some combinations that are just not going to work. Gary Neville said that some of our players are just uncoachable. You know, when you get to that point that there's no one, you know, there's players there that Wenger's had 
and can't be coached. You know, Emery's had, they can't be coached. So you're at a loss if you're a manager that thinks, I'm going to come in and I'm going to coach them to change. Sometimes you just have to work on combinations and just look at what hasn't worked and stay away from that. That's the that's the best. I'm not a manager, but that's probably what the first thing I would do if I didn't have a lot of training sessions. Stay away from players that just don't work. It's, it's that simple, first and foremost. I know you probably run out of players with our team, no <laughs> That was an interesting thing that was actually said in the in the press conference by Freddie, and it's a point Archie made in the comments actually saying a lot of the defenders are quite similar. They're not that physical or, or dominant. At a point when Freddie was talking about what Femi says when he was trying to explain the problems was that against Norwich, the team sort of lost its structure and shape. So the fact that there wasn't massive pace meant, you know, someone like Hernandez could expose that. And it, and it was refreshing as it was to hear someone articulate that, OK, maybe our defenders aren't the quickest, aren't the strongest, but we can't play in a way where we lose our structure and allow ourselves to be, you know, opened up by that. So the idea that and the belief that Freddie's seen those problems already is good. It's just whether he can correct it in, in the amount of time. Yes. Uh, speaking of correcting players, uh, I think we need to get onto the subject of maybe Lacazette. Because... Uh, I know he had his injuries, but since he's come back from his injury, he hasn't had the best of times. I think he's only scored, uh, is, it, is it one goal or two goals, Danny? I'm sure you can help. Four in 11 start, 11 games. So I, I think he's kind of had a, a bit of a, a dip. Danny, do you put that down to his injury or do you think uh, there's anything else going on? I think a lot of it has got to come down to um, supply. If he hasn't got people behind him giving him the ball, then we've seen in so many games recently that both Lacazette and Aubameyang have been coming so deep. They've almost been wing-backs coming back to get the ball. Remember years ago when Ozil used to get really annoyed at the midfield, he'd come back into midfield and get the ball. and then No, not Sanchez, that was it. You'd often see Sanchez coming all the way back to the defence when the, the, the people weren't giving him the ball through to the midfield, through to him. He'd come back and get the ball and then he'd run through, you know, like a FIFA goal. You'd come back and get the ball off your keeper. You'd run up the whole of the... I don't play FIFA anymore. Um, and, then he'd, and he'd do stuff like that. And you'd, you'd think, well, why is he doing that? Because of the frustration of not being given the ball. And then these two, so, um, Lacazette and Aubameyang, are not being given the ball. And that's why Ozil's been brought back into the team. So Ozil, his job is to take the ball from the midfield and then pass it around to the front two. But it seems I get so annoyed when we are just constantly... Uh, and tyranny on the left-hand side, I'm perfectly fine with. He will put that ball, he'll cross it low and hard to the middle of the box, and then someone will be there to try and do something with it. But on the right-hand side with Chambers, I know he got a hat-trick of assists in one game, but with Chambers and with Bellerin and when um, Maitland-Niles is playing there, you run down to the, to the corner flag, you run in, and then you put a high ball in. Who are they expecting to get that high ball? Lacazette isn't known for his, his aerial prowess, is he? A bomber young can do it, but these people need the, the ball coming in like, like Tierney does, low and hard into the middle of the box when anybody can get it, or they need to run at the defenders with the ball, and they're not getting a chance to do either of that lot because as soon as we get the ball, the other team pack their defence and most of their players will be up there and they'll have one player down in our half trying to um, wait, wait to get the ball off us. And I'm thinking, well, how how I don't know how you can look at that situation unless you've got someone of the ability of Ramsey or Ozil Payne a bit deeper where they'll be able to thread those balls through. Now you'll see, sometimes we've seen it from Ozil in, in his recent games you can see him thinking, like there was one on the edge of the box, the ball come from the right hand side, Ozil got it waited, passed it through to someone and then I think they had a shot on goal or they scored and that's the kind of genius that you're going to get from Ozil if he's got a manager 
in uh, the, that believes in him and, and that's why he needs to play and that's as soon as Ramsey's gone that's what we're missing the link between Ozil and the rest of the midfield because what Guendouzi's never going to score a goal Xhaka's only going to score one from half a mile out Torreira ugh, apparently occasionally he does something he's got two or three goals he might score a goal from um from um when they're on the edge of the box when it's all going mad in, in, the, in the box and you're trying to just lob one in. You're never going to get someone like Sanchez or Ramsey where they're going to run the length of the pitch, take people on, pass it around and try and score a goal. And that's the kind of thing we're missing. And if they can't do that, then Lacazette isn't going to get the ball, is he? And like someone's just put in the box, when in the chat box, um, oh, Archie. As, but Lacazette has seven away goals in two seasons. Giroud was slated for that. Very true. Giroud was slated for that. Um there just needs to be more. I think with Emery, he was so worried about losing. He was packing the midfield full of people that would break up play and, and, and defend. They're not defending our defenders, are they? Just break up play. I think that, I think that's it. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> the supply chain is, I guess, for, like I said, it has dried up. And you think with the amount of talent that we actually have on the pitch, the likes of Ozil, the likes of Pepe, the likes of... To an extent, Xhaka as well, because he's part... I mean, I, I don't think he's good at football, but he's good at passing. He's good at long balls. So, Simon, what, what do you think the issue is? Do you think it was more... Emery was telling the players rather not to lose the game rather than to go out and win the game yeah I mean I don't know about you guys but I felt a bit towards the sort of the end I sort of agree with Danny where it felt like his teams were he was sort of scared about losing the game rather than scared about not winning it, if that makes sense I remember that Southampton game the home game where you know he only had sort of like three attackers on the pitch you know three defenders against a team 19th in the Premier League who'd let in I think it was 28-29 goals in 12 games so there was an element of that. And, and the, the frustrating thing, I think, from my point of view, and Danny touched on it earlier about you've got Ozil trying to fit in a Bomiang, Lacazette, Pepe. You know, those four have never started a game this entire season. We've only seen them on the pitch twice. It was Leicester away and I think the end of that Southampton game is the only time we've seen all four of them on the pitch together. And I thought the best, I mean, em- Emery described it as the best 20 minutes of the season, which is a bit weird because it was a nil-nil period against Southampton, but that sort of 45 to 65 minutes when all four were on the pitch and they were flowing forward. Aubameyang had a great chance. It was saved by McCarthy. Pepe hit the bar. That was the best we've looked going forward is when all four of those played. So that's something I, I really want to see. I want to just have the opportunity to look at those four going full throttle. And, you know, behind them, you can play, you know, Xhaka and Terrell, you know, Xhaka and Guendouzi, two sort of holding players, but let those four players go out and play and express themselves and try and win the game. And that's that's what I really want to see from Arsenal. Femi, it was touched on just an earlier uh, go about uh, the midfield, about packing the midfield. Now, we can talk about the shots against us ratio, which we know is astronomical. So if our midfield are not protecting the defence and they're not providing anything going forward what do you think is the issue like why are they there what is the and what do you think is the best partnership you know i've really been thinking about this and i've just been saying thinking something that's going to be so controversial to so many arsenal fans but we have to take genduzi out of the team i think it's just time to just not rely so much on him i'm not saying sell him but take him out of the firing line for a while number one he's just off form whether the people want to admit it or not 
Number two, we've tried every combination, but it's always a combination with him. It's time to try a different combination. I remember last season, we tried him with El Nenny, and we tried him with this, and we tried him with that. Emery just tried every combination to get him to work. Sometimes you take him out. He doesn't defend well enough. He doesn't attack well enough. So find a balance where uh, it seems that Jumberg wants to play a 4-3-3. That's what he, he started with. If he's going to play 4-3-3, he has to do two things. He has to take out one of the strikers and play two fast. We've got no pace in our team as well. That's that's one of the other things. So where you see our midfielders struggling to cover from side to side is because our wide forwards, they're not fast enough to get forward and back, basically. So we got a We've got to make a sacrifice somewhere. And I would say you've got to take Lacazette out of the team for a while and you've got to take Genduzi out of the team for a while and just introduce them back slowly as the team is getting confidence. You can see them get confidence as well. That's that's probably the, the best I would say. You probably want to put Torreira as the deepest player or, or you know, just running around helping Xhaka out because Xhaka's mobility added with the centre-back or lack of mobility, I should say, is, is a massive, massive problem for us. Carl, did you know that Guendouzi, I've just been having a quick look, has played 67 out of 79 games for Arsenal in the last two seasons? That's amazing. Who, 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 who 20. Yeah. He, he, does look, he does look tired, I think. Maybe yeah. he might get a rest under... Um, under Lundberg, but then, you know, a, mid, a, a centre midfield of what you're saying, Xhaka and maybe Torreira, is that known as a bit too defensive? Would you put Willock in the middle? Um, oh, really, I think, I, I think our best our best performance was against Tottenham last season and it was Xhaka mm. and Torreira that played that match. So I don't think it's too defensive. I just think if you've got, if you want to play the three, especially the four up front that Simon was saying, then you probably need to look at playing one of those two like really deep. I mean, Torreira for Uruguay, when you watch him, he virtually plays near enough <laughs> close to the two centre backs. So we've got to make we've yeah. got to make use of our players in their best positions as well. That was the best midfield pairing last season, Xhaka and Torreira. Those two with Ramsey playing as the number Ramsey, ten, and then. Yeah. Aubameyang, Lacazette as a striker. That was that was the best midfield by the end of the season. So I, I don't think too many people would be opposed to to giving it another go. I have to agree. Uh, talking about people coming back into the team, Martellini. Uh Danny, would you give Martellini a go for the sake of Lacazette or even Aubameyang? Like, would you start him again tomorrow against Brighton? I think he's due, uh, yeah, some people, quite a lot of people in the chat box have been saying that. I think it is trying to drop Lacazette. I love Lacazette. If Lacazette was here, uh, I'd be giving him a big hug because he's just, he's a beautiful man. He's a wonderful player, but something isn't right at the moment with him. And I think you are losing so much from a Young's game by playing a Young out wide. And I noticed when we were playing the, the game against Norwich, no, a couple, a couple of games recently, you had Lac- you had uh, Ozil and Young were swapping sides. And so was Pepe when he plays, but Lacazette, uh, the only thing Lacazette really does, no, I don't want to, no, that sounds bad. What Lacazette was doing was dropping deeper and then letting all the other people move around him. I think if we have a dynamic front three of Pepe, Young, and Martinelli, all three of those can play on all three sides. And then remember the days when um, 
who was it that I was trying to think of where you didn't know what they're going to do. Um, anyway, forget about that. I was thinking of by the time when we had, you had so many players that can play in different positions up front, you don't know what you're going to do with them. If you're a defender, you don't know which one you're going to go and mark because they're all constantly moving around, conveyor belt in themselves. So I, th- I think Martinelli definitely does need to get a chance. You can't bring him on with five or six minutes every time or however many minutes he got in the last game against Norwich or the one before that. He does deserve to start the game. Uh, I'd love to see Pepe's... The more you play Pepe, the more Pepe's going to come good or play him in the position that you need to be. So even if you play a bomb, a bomb young up front of his own and then you have Pepe and uh, Martinelli playing either side of him slightly a little bit deeper, then Ozil can go back into the midfield a little bit. doesn't have to do all the running, but he can still get the ball. And he's got three people that he can give the ball to. Then those two can swap sides. They can all play out front. Well, I'm sure Pepe can play out front. And uh, just get them on the break because you've got three really quick players. And I think Lacazette maybe does need a break. But last time this happened with Lacazette, it turned out he had an injury and he was still playing with an injury because we had no one else to play, which is why we brought a bum young in. And then it just makes me makes me think what the hell is going who's buying these players we need central a creative midfielder we need world-class centre-backs and we go and spend 72 million although it'd be 2012 on Pepe and why did we buy Aubameyang we had Lacazette you don't need Aubameyang and Lacazette in the same team when you've got so many deficiencies behind him we have got three of the best forward players in the world and maybe four if you're going to include Ozil but yet behind us, we're, we're bloody low half of the team quality player, low half of the Premier League quality players. We've got so much stuff up front. And the headache is, how do you mix all four, three of those brilliant players to play up front? And now we've got Martinelli going, well, I've got seven goals in, in 10 games or whatever it is. I want to start playing games as well. Oh, look, we've had a, we've had a donation, Carl. From, uh, did you see that, um, who was it? Someone said earlier they were walking past, Unique 79 said he's just walked past your house. <laughs> Stranger Danger. Yes, I do know Unique 79. Uh, I met him at the train station the other day, actually. Were you busy uh, making sure he's late for work? Uh, no, not my trains. Not my trains. So, you know, they would have uh, been on time. I'll tell you what, here's, here's a stat. Under Unai Emery, Martinelli was the third joint top scorer of Emery's reign. Yeah, Willock was fourth, wasn't he? Yeah. Martinelli right. was the third joint top scorer, which gives you... And obviously, a Bobby and Lacazette were number two, which... Highlights, uh, you know, Arsenal no on them. But Martinelli, that shows how big an impact he's had. And for me, I, I agree with you know whatever I'm saying. I think he's, he's got to be due a start. I mean, he's been fantastic in the Europa League, Carabao Cup. I thought when he came on against Norwich, you know, there was that bit right at the end when Torreira had that chance. The ball went down the left, and Martinelli, I think it was Max Aaron's the right back. He just absolutely shoulder barged him off the ball, beat his man, got the crossing, and Torreira almost scored. I think he looks a fantastic player, and I really, really think he deserves a chance. Do you think he might get a chance tomorrow, Simon? Maybe. I don't know. It's it's an interesting one. I mean, it's going to... Because the argument will be, does he bring Pepe in? And, you know, as, as Danny was saying, give him the arm round the shoulder, you know, go on, go show yourself what you can do. So if it was me, I, I would give Martinelli a start. I just wonder whether he might think it's a chance to give Pepe the old arm round the shoulder and, you know, go show yourself. But if it's, if he's going on form and performance at the training ground, which is what... Lundberg said when he was asked about why he picked Mustafi and co on Sunday, then you think Martinelli's in your first team. I, I have to Can, agree. Can I also ask what's, what's happened to Reese Nelson? Because um, he sort of just disappeared off the face of the planet at a moment. <laughs> he started the season quite well. Yeah. And then he, he sort of, he had that injury and Saka sort of overtook him, didn't he? Quite, quite dramatically. And Saka, I think, I don't know what you guys think, but I thought, when he came on against Norwich and a few other games, just looks a little low on confidence and could perhaps do with 
you know, a few games yeah. in the under-23s. I think we forget he's like 18 years old, this kid, isn't he? So, Yeah, he's just, just turned 18 in September, didn't he? Yeah. So I think I think we've got to be... Um, Got to be careful not to ruin his confidence. He looked so so promising when he, mm. you know, last season and also when he came in the team. But recently, he's just looked like he's looked like a, a boy, to be honest, <laughs> playing men's football. <laughs> didn't he have a bit that's... of a knock? Because I just he, looked. He, he, had a, he, he, had, he missed two games. Yeah, he's Who's not that? Who's that? Saka. Saka. Nelson. Oh, Nelson. Yeah, yeah, he did have a knock. He did have a knock. He got pulled out the under twenty ones. I think October, November. Yeah, and it sort of stunted him a bit, but yeah, he's another. The last time he played was not. It was three under twenty three games ago against Spurs when we beat them three one at Spurs, and he came off in the forty. Came off just after half time, so maybe he had a bit of an injury there. A couple of things, Carl, before we move on. Um, I have done a translation of a Julian Nagelman's um, donation. He says, should I manage Arsenal or Barbican Pirates? And what happens to the connection between midfield and lacquer with an attack without lacquer? So thank you very much, Mr. Nagelsman, for that. And hopefully you'll be manager soon. And Carl, I have got up here what you asked for in the chat box. So let me know oh, when you want that. You're a lovely guy. I know. Um, so, um, Simon... The the odds uh, on the next manager, I think favourite, it should be uh, Allegri, apparently. Do you have any journalism insider of who the next Arsenal manager <laughs> is going to be? I would love to come in here with the, the pearls of wisdom and grace you with who's it going to be. But um, no, not, we don't know any difference. Yeah, I could just make it up, could I? <laughs> no, um, I think it's interesting what's been reported in the last few days. Um, about there being a sort of 12-man shortlist. And there's quite a few names on that, which I think gives you an indication. I mean, the variety of the names being mentioned, we've got Arteta, you know, this is a similar boat to Lundberg, where he's not really coached the first team. We've got Ancelotti, you know, who's won Serie A, Bundesliga, Liga, Champions League titles. We've got Brendan Rodgers, who's a training ground coach. I think that, that gives you an example of, of what Kroenke hinted at, where, you know, this is going to be quite a thorough process, again, like we were told for Embry. Um, lots of different names on the table. Um, I, I do think there is a, a desire for Lundberg to do well and to possibly put himself forward as as a candidate. Um, James Olly, my colleague, wrote that the other day um, as a piece for, for our newspaper saying, you know, there's a desire for, for Lundberg to stay, put his hand up and get it. For me, I personally think it's, it's too big a job for Lundberg. I think this is a, a massive rebuild job that needs a, a big man, a big man to do it. Um, for me personally, I, I, would, I would have Rogers as my pick. Um, but we look at that and you think it's, it's, it's going to be 14 million to get him out of that contract to Leicester. And are we really going to pay that at the moment? Which is perhaps why Allegri out of work, no compensation looks like the most attractive choice, certainly with the bookmakers. I think that's why he's favorite up there. Um, given the fact that the club won't want to spend loads and won't, won't want to be restricted with, with FFP and things like that coming in. So, with all the money that we spent in the summer, um, I know when you work out that it's spread over four seasons in some cases and we actually didn't lose any money in the summer because the players we sold, we got the money straight yeah. immediately. If if um, um, Allegri does come in, not only have you got his massive wages, then you've got all of his backroom staff and then he's been learning English for the last two years, they said. Yeah. And uh, also, he's, he's not going to come in and do much of what we've got, is he? Because you, you can't polish a turd. And we have got too many turds there. And if he if you look at the team that he had at Juventus and some of the really decent defenders and the, the defences, I mean, you had people like um, 
who was it? The uh, the two wingers ended up playing as wing backs. Um, who was it? The Costa, and there was another one, wasn't there? Not Bernadeschi, the other one. He played on the right hand. Cudrado, God, I've murdered. Cudrado, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you had those who were yeah. so uh, able to defend well. They ended up playing as wing back, and in fact, you even had Lichtsteiner playing as as a right midfielder at times. But I mean, looking at these odds here. Like you were saying, it's it's between Allegri and Arteta. You never see a broke bookie, but Allegri's going to want so much money to come in and mm. spend on players. No, to- last, last time as well, he wanted, he wanted nine backroom staff, Allegri. Shit. But he's going to want what? How much do you think reasonably he's going to want in the January transfer window and then again in the summer? Because also with Arsenal, we've got this annoying habit of going, oh, all these players, they're all average players. I think Mustafi, mm. don't quote me on this, when he was at Valencia... He was on about fourteen thousand a week, and when he came to Arsenal, he's on forty or fifty thousand a week. We got that's why he's not gone anywhere because we've got so many players on massive wages that if you pluck them from the Spanish, French, German leagues that don't pay a lot of money, when you want to unpluck them, they're going to go fuck off. I'm on fifty grand a week. I'm not going to go and take twenty grand a week. And he's going to want to get rid of all of them lot. Before <laughs> well, isn't that the same for everywhere, Danny? Like for any manager that we bring in, they're going to want their own backroom staff. Whether they, whether it's Allegri, Arteta, nine, uh, nine, nine's quite a lot. Nine is a big. That's a big, big backroom staff. But I even mean, so, y- y- yeah, I get that, and you're going to have to pay them. But even if we bring in Arteta, who's he going to bring in as his backroom staff? Because everyone he works with is at Man City. I very much doubt that anyone from Man City is going to say, yeah, no worries, uh, Mikel, I'll come with you to Arsenal to sort out that that shambles. Like, it's not going to happen. So whether he keeps Lundberg as his number two and then promotes from within, who else is there? Did you you see what Mourinho did last week when he came in? He went and just... He had been studying who he wanted as his his new sort of backroom team, and he went to Lille and he just popped two and he plucked one from here because he had already planned it ahead. Most of these guys do have it planned ahead. And just on that that list as well, I know this is going to sound really crazy, but there's going to be a name that's not on that list mm. that might come in because Emery was not anywhere to be seen on any list that I saw. Um, you know, last time. Remember when we were trying to sign Pepe uh, as Zaha during the summer? Did you even think that a chance of signing Pepe? No chance. There's just random things. (laughs) (laughs) There's just random things that seem to happen at Arsenal since this new regime come in. So I would not be surprised if if there's a name not on that list that they're looking at. I really yeah. hope it's not Marcelino guy that I've been hearing about all day. I really oh, that'll I mean, be em- so em- underwhelming. Emery was sixty six to one when uh, he got the job. So Danny, who's sixty six to one? What could we get for that? Chris, <laughs> I don't think Chris is less than that. <laughs> I don't even think you get. It's like those kind of odds are the kind of odds you used to get on Leicester winning the, the Premier League. Yeah. They're just so people are just thinking there's absolutely no chance of of getting it. But, but it was it was interesting. I mean. Uh, if you listen to, I remember when Emery got the job, we were sort of bold because Edis was saying, "Oh, how fantastic he was in the interview and things like that." And now we, you know, if you listen to Ornstein saying how bad Allegri was in the interview, so I mean, I want to know who's doing these interviews that Emery interviewed well. <laughs> I mean, it must it must have been Sanieli must have been translating from and making him sound like an absolute genius because I can't work out how he how he was good in the interview. Got a point about Freddie, which I always think if I, you always know, well, I often notice that if an assistant manager then gets the job as caretaker manager and goes, Oh, I want to go for this job, I'd like to be considered as the job as manager. When the new manager comes in, 
you're out on your ear. But if you're an assistant manager and you become caretaker manager and you go, I don't want the job, you're kind of guaranteeing that you're going to stay at the club when the new manager comes. Um, is that a kind of thing that you've noticed or have I dreamt it? I think if from an outsider, if you're going to get a brand new manager in, you kind of want someone familiar with the club in and around you. Same with Emery and Steve Bold. You know, Steve Bold was technically the assistant manager, wasn't he? He technically didn't do anything because you never saw Steve Bold do a, a single thing in his first season under Emery. But, you know, I think Emery wanted a connection between maybe him and the club and the players, and that was Steve Bold. And he wanted someone just to have that connection. And I think they'd be the same with the next manager coming in. Because um, Freddie you know, it has that connection with their players, whatever the new manager comes in, whether it be Rogers or whether it be Arteta or whether it be Allegri or, or whoever, I think they'll keep uh, Lundberg around just for, you know, just to, even if it's a, a, a stage show, just to say, oh yeah, look, look, I've got him around, I'm going to take advice from him. He may not, but I still think that's the connection between the players, Lundberg, and then the manager. Someone here has think, put something about the um, the Brazil. Sorry, Femi, the Brazil manager oh, in a Corinthians oh. fan. Um, that was, I'm sure, it's Tete who won the Copa Libertadores yeah. or Copa South America, and then he went off to uh, with with Edu at Corinthians, and then they both went yeah. off to the Brazilian national team. Do you know about that, Femi? Yeah, I was reading um, a little bit um, on Le Grove. Actually, he was um, he was talking about Kia uh, Raptic, is that how you pronounce his name? Yeah, the super agent. So he was, (laughs) he was breaking down his relationship with Edu, and he was, he just, it was really good article. If anyone uh, wants to read it, it was he basically broke down, you know, the the route that Edu came to um, to Arsenal, basically, and he was talking about, yeah, his relationship with Tite, and um, he was talking about, you know, the problems that they had when they were at Corinthians. And then him taking him to Brazil, but I mean, does he speak it? The English thing is going to be a major thing for me because if you just have to have someone who's charismatic and can communicate with the fans, because that's where Wenger, no matter what you thought of him, that's where he was still winning, even at the end where the results weren't good, the performances weren't good. He was still articulate. He could communicate with the fans. He could galvanate the fans. You know, you could still listen to Wenger now, giving a great speech, probably galvanate you. And you kind of, that's what Brendan Rodgers, I mean, I heard a, a story about when he first came to the club and he gathered all the backroom staff, the staff of the club together and told them what the club is going to be. You know, you need a, someone that's going to just, just because no one else in the club talks. You know, I don't know what Eddie even sounds like anymore. He's been there for six months now. He hasn't said one word. So it's up to us to have a manager that's going to communicate with the fans. Otherwise, the fans just feel like they're in the dark all the time. I have to agree. So I'll ask this question to all three of you. Uh, just a name. So right now, you're in charge of Arsenal. Danny, you have to pick off any manager who you pick him. Oh, good God. Every time I get asked this, I've got no idea because I don't know what I want. Can, let, let me think about it and go to someone right. else. Simon, of the list of what quote-unquote gettable managers. Yeah, gettable managers. Yeah. yeah. Who are you choosing? Oh, um, Rogers. Okay. I, don't, I wouldn't classify Potch as gettable. But <laughs> you don't think so? Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think so. <laughs> It'd be amazing, but I'd, I'd go Rogers. Rogers. 
Do you think I it's think more? Sorry, get... Femi. Just one question. Do you think it is the yeah. Tottenham connection, or apparently there's a clause in his contract that if he takes a job within the next, mm. I say, a year, that he doesn't get like his payoff from Tottenham? Yeah, I think I saw that. I think he's on some sort of gardening leave or something, isn't he? But as well, I think for Poch, um, I I think the Tottenham thing might be an issue. But I also think if you're him, you know, he that Tottenham job was a long sort of five year project, you know, where he didn't have masses of money. He's had to develop that squad. I just wonder whether he might look at Arsenal and think, oh, I don't really want another project. I've done all that hard work. I'd quite like, you know, a Bayern or a Real Madrid. I wonder whether that might be a factor as well, as much as the whole Arsenal-Tottenham thing. So I'd probably, Rogers would be my pick, I think. Okay. Femi, who are you going for? Oh, God. You said gettable. I don't think Rogers is gettable, to be honest. No, no. Uh, right. Unless we're gets him. I don't think he'll leave. Uh, that's to be honest with you. Like, if you really think about what you're saying about Poch moving to Arsenal, reputation. If Roger came to Arsenal after what eight months at Leicester, le- that would be just a little bit disgraceful, to be honest. I think you get him in the yeah, summer, maybe, maybe like, not now. Yeah, in the summer, probably. Yeah, I mean, mm. like he's been at Leicester since February. I mean, that's a bit. That would be very <laughs> controversial as well, to be honest. Um, I think I just we're in a, such a mess. I just got Arteta, and the reason why I say Arteta is because this season is basically a write-off. To be honest with you, um, you just you just need a manager that is going to come in and he's just going to start now, just like Rogers did at at Leicester last season. You know, he settled in for a few a few months and then just say we go again next season. We just need to stabilize. But I think the Arteta thing would be so you know it's a old choice uh, you know it's got so much rave reviews you know why not why not go for it Simon just one quick question would you keep Lumber to the end of the season to get Rogers at in the summer uh, yeah 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 okay. I would Dan, so Danny come on you've had um, enough time Reading the comments, I've had a few thoughts. Um, GP has put there that Poch is still under contract to Spurs, and that I did hear this today. I think Arsblog was saying it that he's not allowed to leave if anybody employs him within a certain length of time. They've got to pay um, some kind of compensation. I don't want Brendan Rodgers at the club because I can't stand the ugly bastard. I hate everything about him. I don't. <laughs> he may be a good manager, but I can't stand him. That big nose of his. I don't like his accent. I don't like the way he looks. You can't go from Freddie, who is the best-looking football manager in the history of the known game, and to someone as ugly as him. I think, now that I'm thinking about it, the Chinese season ended on Sunday. Rafa has been there and had a disaster of a season. I think he won the last game. The one before that, he lost 5-2. Five, five he's, he's not had a good time there. They'll probably let him go. And he's shown that when he came to Chelsea and did this, he turned them around, got him into the Champions League and left. So maybe get him... Uh, I think that is that is doable. So maybe Rafa Benitez until the end of the season. And then next season, I do like the idea of Nagelsmann, but it looks like Ram Red Bull could win the, the Bundesliga for the first time. They're doing really well with Dortmund and Bayern and all the others all tripping over themselves, constantly losing. Is he going to want to come to Arsenal? I mean, he's a really good young manager. I mean, when he was at Hoffenheim, he had a thing for the... That sounds wrong. He was really good at using the young players. And he made the. Uh, don't listen to Josh though, because he says that Nelson was rubbish there. He only had what five minutes of a good spell. So my answer is Rafa now, Nagelsmann in the summer. What's your answer, Carl? I would go, and I know a lot of people are not going to agree with me. I'd go Eddie Howe. 
I think he's taken Bournemouth as far as he can go. I don't think he's going to take Bournemouth any further. And I think Bournemouth are uh, quite an established mid-table team now. And I think he's ready to step up. I think if you gave give him a chance, I'd give him a two and a half year contract. And I'd oh, say now, I take him now. I'd I'd say you know what, um, this season as a write-off to so get your feet under the table. By next season, you need to get us into the Champions League. I, I'd, I'd say that is your ultimate goal. And I think, like I said earlier, I think we need someone, not an English person, but someone who speaks English, someone who can talk to the press, someone who can definitely come in and sort of galvanise the squad. And you may look at Eddie Howe and, and, and say he can't, but I think he would definitely come in with good ideas. He's got... Bournemouth playing some really good football and that's with those players now we talk about our players meant to be you know some of the best players in the world and they actually are now I'd love to give someone like Eddie Howe a try to see what he could do with a squad like ours so that would be my shout Eddie Howe Someone has mentioned Van Bronckhurst I've heard a lot about this he's only 44 years old he, he's won the league with um, with Rangers and Arsenal and Barcelona, he's won the Champions League. And uh, when he was with Feyenoord a couple of years ago, he won the Eredivisie, he's won the Dutch Cup twice. He had a, a win ratio. I know it's, it's a feeder league. It's not even a feeder league. It's a feeder, feeder, feeder league. But Feyenoord, 176 games, 107. That's a 60% win rate. He's, going, he's going to City, apparently. Oh, as a coach? Yeah, well, as he's being like lined up to succeed Pep already, so... Really? I think he's. That's I think good. he's. I think he's out of work at the moment. I'm pretty yeah. sure he is. Yeah. 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 And he no, basically no, like. There was a story that came out. I think sort of October time. Where's Pep gonna go? October time, and he was basically like Van Bronckhorst was like being shown around the training ground, all sorts, you know, um, as a sort of you know, look, get ready. There might not, you know, not an immediate Pep's going this month, but look, like. You know, it's falling apart at Man City. Similar to how you know Man City did it with Pep. You know they had Pellegrini and other managers in before, but it was always like that was the next point. I think City set their sights at Van Bronckhorst as being the next one. But another Dutchman who would be interesting is, would be interesting right. would be Ten Hag at Ajax, maybe. But I don't yes, know. It's, again, yeah. difficult to get him he, out there. Well, well, he said he's not leaving till the summer, and he looks like he's nailed off for Bayern mm. as well because that looks like. I mean, Bayern have got a caretaker at the moment and basically waiting for him because, I mean, he, he's, he used to coach at Bayern as well, Anders, so he, he knows the club quite well. Um, with Van Bronckhorst, he actually works for the City group, is what it is. So he's he's kind of got that Vieira-type job. So what they're doing is they're grooming him to either take Arteta's role, like you said, in the aim of maybe taking over for... Um, but what they're saying is also they might dump him at one of their other clubs. So their what's their Australian club or New York, Melbourne. New York. What's that? Sorry, the, the what they Melbourne or New York, yeah, Melbourne, yeah, New York Melbourne City or whatever they're called as well. Yeah, they might they might dump him in one of those places. So he's sort of been incorporated into their system, and it's quite it's quite ironic, isn't it, that they've got they've had Vieira, they've had Arteta, Van Broncos, three players who played for us. You know, hmm. making strides in the in the city system. Carl, uh, yeah. can I just go over a couple of things that the people have mentioned in the chat box? Go for it. Um, Sistemo, who's a cheeky monkey, says uh, Vieira's going to go to City. But would any of you like Vieira Arsenal? I wouldn't. No, because uh, uh, his team's not doing very well in the feeder league at the moment, are they? Hmm. I wouldn't so, be against it, but 
What, as a manager or would you bring him as a coach? A player. <laughs> you can sort out midfield. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't seen enough of his teams to know what they'd like, but I think I would prefer Arteta to Vieira. Okay, Just- stand the man. A friend of ours. Nobody mentioned Bielsa doing wonders at Leeds. Leeds are coming up. Would anybody... Uh, he's a bit of a, um, a genius, isn't he? Well, the only thing we know that we could spy on uh, Watford because <laughs> they're just over the fence, aren't they? So we, we get a result against Watford, I guess. But uh, I don't know. Does he speak good English? No. Well, exactly. He, he's got... He, you know, there's all the, the famous clips from the time of him with his translator and he sort of... Bielsa, you know, talking down like this very quietly and his translator next to him. So, um, I don't know what Bielsa would be like. I, think, oh, I mean, as, as, as is the case with Bielsa, either it's fantastic or it explodes, isn't it? And, you know, <laughs> is he time? Is it a Marseille and it all went Oh, it was gone apart. within like two weeks or something crazy <laughs> like that. And the final one for us all to talk about, start with you, Femi, um, Simeone. Um, <laughs> he's, he's like, he's the, like, second or third highest paid manager in the world he's like on nearly on nearly 20 million or something if we if we're struggling to afford sort of eight nine million there's no chance we're getting him so i think we've got to be realistic as well i mean in terms of i just think there's a reason why he hasn't left atletico i think everything in that club is just set up for him I can't see him going to anywhere other than Italy to play that style of football. I don't think that would work anywhere else, to be honest with you. It, it's, it would just get found out way too easily, in, especially in the Premier League, where draws are as, as good as a defeat and they draw nearly every match. Do, do you think him and Urza would get on well, though, I think? <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> Uh, speaking of Leeds, and uh, let's move swiftly on. Nice segue. Uh, we drew Leeds in the FA Cup, didn't we, Danny? We certainly did. Um, so I was just getting uh, Karen's question and adding it to my list. So you want to go here, and you want to go there, and you go here. There you go, Carl. Yes, uh, I I have a love hate relationship with Leeds because I remember uh, was it in the Oh, I want to say when when did they beat us? I think it was oh, the 2003, and we the lost. Title. And we lost at yeah. home, didn't we? And that, that was the only game I ever took Sexy Frank to, and he said he's never going again. <laughs> I remember watching our TV, thinking, "Oh yeah, we're blatantly going to beat Leeds," and because that time Leeds had a really good team. Remember they had Viduka up front, and they had Harry Kuehl, uh Michael Bridges. Um, it was the other guy that went to Man United. Smith. Alan, Alan Smith, Alan Smith um, and they had a really really good team then and I remember they broke my heart that season and from then on I've never in my life liked Leeds ever I just I've hated them um, Simon what do you make of the, uh, the draw I think it's an interesting draw I mean uh, Leeds now for me I always think of that game with Henri at the Emirates and the <laughs> slap pitches going around all over the and place and just curling it around in there um I think it'll be a really, really interesting team uh, to play against just because of the way Bielsa plays football. And I always remember, you know, the first... I mean, he was obviously known in, in England and stuff, but I remember when Man United played that Bill Bow team, everyone was sort of blown away. Um, but I'm just wondering how strong a lead's going to sort of go, you know, whether we're going to see the full, you know, first team Bielsa going for it, uh, which I'd love to see. I think it'd be great. And particularly if, um, you know, we've got the new manager in place. Um but yeah, I think it's a good draw. I think um, 
home home helps. I, I wouldn't have particularly liked going up to Ellen Road and playing there, but uh, home ties always nice. I think. Femi, what do you make of the uh, the team um, that we're going to play? Uh, do you think that, like I said, Simon? Um, do you think we'll go all guns blazing, or do you think uh, we might write this off? Oh, I don't think we will write it off because, like I said, our Premier League season looks a little bit in tatters anyway, and would be coming off of what Christmas New Year's run, which is quite you know notoriously a hard fixture list. So I would probably think you're going to probably see a mix and match team, whatever mix and match for us is. Maybe something like we saw against uh, in the Europa League against Frankfurt last week, something quite similar to that, really. Um, uh, uh, is is Eddie is Eddie you know sort of cop tied for this one? I, I don't. So uh, my understanding, and anyone please correct me, is that they need permission from Arsenal to play him. So if they get permission from Arsenal, I believe that he can play. Anyone correct okay. me on my right? Uh, I'm not. That, that's definitely the case in UEFA because uh, I always remember Courtois playing against Chelsea. In the Premier League, I don't think you can because of, I think it was Yakubu when he was playing at Portsmouth, scored against his parent club, can't remember who it was, and then they banned the ruling after that. I'm not sure in the FA Cup, I think you're cup-tied. Right. Danny, Danny might be able to check. I think I think UEFA competitions are the only one where you can get permission. Um, I think he'll be cup-tied, but there's also a chance he might come back anyway. Um he hasn't really, hasn't really played, has he? And 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 also, I mean, if if Freddie is still in charge, he, Eddie was pretty good under under twenty three. So you never know whether he might think he'd come back and play here because he's not getting much game time. No, he's not, is he? Because he's got Bamford up front, haven't they? He had a spell where where Bamford wasn't playing very well. Mm. Um, but I've, I'm just done a, a search on a. Oh, we go. This is from well, from one football card. Let's make it up, don't they? It says Leeds haven't played in the FA Cup yet, so Nketiah wouldn't be cup tied for Arsenal nor any other club if the Gunners want to reloan him. That's not the answer, is it? I think the only issue is, is if we bring him back, he can't then play and then be loaned again because um, the three for two three, clubs. Three, yeah. yeah, the FIFA ruling where you can't play for three clubs in a season. Well, so. I'm- I'm reading, and I thought I saw this as well, I'm reading that Bristol City, yeah, their club is saying that they want to sign him in January. Mm. So, I mean, I, we had heard that rumour for a while, but I think one of their, it says Bristol City CEO, so one of their heads has said that they're still looking at the possibility of, of getting him in yeah. January. Well, so. They thought they had him in, you know, back in the uh, back in the summer, Bristol City thought they'd pretty much got, they'd even booked the medical yeah. and everything. And then I think there's... Good piece on the Athletic by Phil Hay, who's the sort of Leeds, you know, aficionado. This sort of pitch that Leeds did to get him with, you know, victory to the director of football, you know, Bielsa, and they won to get in catching, and then they've not even played him. So it's all very odd. <laughs> very uh, annoying. But, uh, you know, a home game against a, a lower league club, you, you'd like to think that is, um, we should win that game. But, with Arsenal's defence as it is. And like Simon said, if, if Leeds can't really come for us, you know, obviously depending on what sort of game that, sorry, what team we play, I, I don't think it's going to be a, a walk in the park for us at all. I, I genuinely don't. I think that, I'm not going to say that we're going to struggle, but I don't think we'll find it very, very easy. As long uh, as we don't get what we had back in 1991, we played them four times in the FA Cup. Yeah, but replays. Well, it's not allowed anymore, is it? So it won't happen. So I might as well shut up. 
What's the ruling now? Is it um, penalties after? Th- I thought it was after quarterfinals. No more replays. So it's just no replays whatsoever now. Nothing. It's a, so you get your first final, yeah. then you get a replay, and then uh, the, at the end of the replay, it's penalties, isn't it? Oh, okay. So you do yeah. get the replay because I know they were saying yeah. is it after the quarterfinals, there's no more replays. It has to be settled on that day. Yeah, I think it's fifth round, maybe. So the last sixteen in quarters, I don't think don't have replays. Um, I think just because of the rationale, then most of the teams who want the big money spinning replay are usually out. I think is why they've sort of stopped it. There's an interesting, interesting stat actually that three of our last four FA Cup knockouts have been at home, which is quite interesting. You wouldn't have thought that, but um, yeah, we lost. I guess the Man United last season as well was at home, so I don't think home advantage has really helped us a lot in the FA Cup, to be honest. Someone's just mentioned the Arsenal ladies coach, Aussie Joe. Could he give him a go as manager? In fact, get my Deemer up front for us. Well, she got 26 goals in the last 16 games. Club and country. That was mad at the weekend where she scored six and assisted four. Shout out to the ladies' uh, Arsenal team who scored, was it 11-1? Yeah, we beat Bristol 7-0 a couple of games before that as well. So there's 18 goals against Bristol, most of which um, Vivian got on her own. <laughs> yeah, but there was talk, wasn't there? there was a, there was a few people banging the drum for Emma Hayes, who's obviously the Chelsea women coach, to get the get oh, a men's oh, job yeah. or get a score, get a sniff at getting a men's job. Oh, she scares me. I think a whole <laughs> other conversation of football with her. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Let's <laughs> not go down that <laughs> no, let's definitely. Um, that kind of sums up Arsenal's uh, week. Um, I mean. What are your thoughts, just quickly touching on tomorrow, Danny, what are your thoughts about tomorrow's game against Brighton or today, if you're listening? Um, I'll have to compare it to the the Norwich game. I think some things that we did see in the Norwich game, we weren't playing it out from the back quite as much. You saw Torreya playing a more deeper role, which is what we need to continue doing. You're not playing him as a, in the number 10 like Emery liked to see him play. We understand why he did it, breaking up play further up the pitch. But if to do that, he might as well just go and tackle their goalkeeper. That would be the nth degree of using him further up the pitch. Uh, I think we might see Bellerin and Tierney come back because they've. Uh, it's been a week since they last played, hopefully, and get more shape to the defence. And I, th- I think I'd like to see Chambers and Holding as the back two because <clears throat> I like them. There you go. And I, I don't want to I want to see Lacazette drops. I love Lacazette, as I said, but... I think we we will play as a more organised team if you have one front man and two wide men with Ozil playing behind them. And uh, Brighton aren't known for their defensive qualities and I think tomorrow could be a high-scoring game, hopefully. Femi, what would you, what would you, if any, changes would you make uh, against Brighton that we against that you had against Norwich? I think we need to treat it like a proper home game now. Uh, not go in with a three at the back or anything like that. Just play a, just play four three two one. That's what I think this team is geared up for. Just play the four up front and just go for it. I think Freddie was basically saying that today. He just said, "Look, we just need to make the fans happy." I know it's going to be there's going to be a buzz again around the stadium tomorrow, and that hasn't been the case for a while. You know, there's people that sit behind me like a couple of weeks ago. They're like, "I don't even know why I'm coming here anymore." But I think it will be different. Oh, Thursday, I should say. I think it will be really, you know, something just, just, just to galvanise the fans. Just go for it and just let's just let's just have fun. Football's supposed to be fun, you know. We want to have fun when we watch it. 
like Freddie said, the players should have fun when they play, play with smiles on their faces. Let's just let's just go and have fun. We've got we've got nothing to lose anymore, to be honest. So I hope they just go for it. Agreed. Simon, today's Tuesday, Cal. People are pointing out that I said tomorrow. I thought today was Wednesday. <laughs> I copied well, you not, as well. <laughs> well, this ain't going out till tomorrow, right? Which no, is we're, like, not, we're live, Cal. Yeah, but you know what I mean. Oh, fuck off, Danny. <laughs> Simon, did uh, Freddie drop any knowledge on the team that he might pick uh, against uh, Brighton? No, he was pretty pretty guarded about it, as you expect. Um, said there might be changes. Um, yeah, and, and I think I agree with sort of what Femi said about you know going out and playing and expressing express themselves and having fun because we haven't had. I mean, Christ, it hasn't been fun much the last two months, has it? I think people would really appreciate that if, if the side went out and played. Um, I think in terms of the team, I think we'll more see Freddie's team um, for this. He's had a bit of a longer run-up. Um, I kind of felt a bit like the team that played on Sunday, the Norwich game. You know, Mustafi was in there, Xhaka was in there, Urza was in there, who, who might have been his, in his team anyway, but they all felt like players who were slightly ostracised by Emery. And he sort of brought them back in to say, look, everyone's in with a chance, it's a clean slate. So I wonder now if he's had, you know, four days to prepare we'll get a proper sort of look at what his team's going to be. And um, for me, I, I would agree with agree with Femi and go with a 4-2-3-1 and let those four players, whether it's Pepe or Martinelli, uh, let them go at it and, and express themselves and, and have a go at Brighton. Carl, Karen makes a point here. She says, uh, our fortunes have to change at some time, so why not on Thursday? Hey, Carl. Indeed, uh, I think that, like Femi said, I think that a lot of people will return for the Brighton game. I think we saw a lot of empty seats uh, on Thursday, last Thursday, and I think that this game on, on Thursday, uh, this game coming on Thursday, I think a lot of people will turn up because they, I think this is a reset. I think you know, even though Freddie's in at the moment temporary charge, I think this would be a reset for a, a lot of people, and I think a lot of people just wanted to see Emre gone, and I think. I think that the football is going to change. We all know it's not going to change overnight, but however, I think it's an opportunity now to get behind a team and just, you know, support them as as we should do. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but hopefully get a, a good result against Brighton, who, you know, as we know, nothing ever good comes from Brighton. I'm sure Josh used to live there. And just Scumbags. Absolutely, definitely. Um, but yeah, I, I, I can't believe I'm saying this again, but yeah, hopefully we can get a good result against Brighton and hopefully that will kick us on for the rest of the season and we can continue to do well. So, Daniel, Daniel, Daniel. Yes. We will do uh, listeners' questions and I will hand the chalice over to you. Oh, good. Right, we've got lots of good questions. People have chucked them in the chat. So everybody gets one question. I will start with you, Carl, because you've done such a wonderful job of hosting. Mark Blondahl, I'm sure that's how you say he's got a little line through the O. He'll probably tell me off. He says, how many different youth players will Freddie try try or use while in charge? In the same vein, should we try more youth players for the defence if it allows us to nail down a tactical setup? while accepting the mistakes of youth, especially since the senior players make plenty themselves. And that's a good point because uh, we have got some really, really good young... Um, we've got Zach Medley, 
That's one who has been talked about quite a lot. We've even got a magnificent 18-year-old goalkeeper who's six foot five and still growing. And who else have we got? Uh, Mavropanos is another young key player. Um, Bola, another decent one. Well, Holding and, and Chambers. What do you think to that, Carl? I think that's almost admitting defeat. Just saying, oh, yeah, the youth are going to come in. They're going to make mistakes, but don't worry about it. Uh, because what we don't want to do is ruin these kids before they've even had a chance. Because as soon as a, a youth team player comes in and they make a mistake, this is Arsenal fan base we're talking about. They will jump on them. We don't have the patience uh only Arsenal fan base. So I think Freddie will introduce youth maybe a little bit more. However, uh, I don't think now is the time. I think even though, you know, we may say the season's a write-off, I think we still got to at least try and concentrate. Whereas the teams above us are still dropping points. The likes of Chelsea, he dropped points at the weekend. The likes of Manchester United, who are at the moment at absolute shambles. Um, you know, we're still fighting to try and get into that top four. And, you know, uh, I think Wolves are above us uh, at the moment and so are Sheffield United. I mean, we said this last time about Leicester. I remember having this conversation with Chris saying, oh, yeah, they're going to fall off. Don't worry about it. But I genuinely think that um, Sheffield United will fall off. I don't think they're... The, the football that they play, I don't think the intensity can last. However, at the moment, they're playing one game a week apart from when the cup game's coming. So they're nice. <sighs> my fear is that I don't want Freddie to overload the team with youth because we need to take time with these kids, you know, let them learn their trade within the under 23s. And then when, and only when they're ready, set them up. Yeah. Fair enough. So basically stick what we were doing all season. If they're getting a few games here and there. Indeed. I think, I think also you've got to be really like, um, hard to say, you've got to be careful because, um, if you look at someone like Zach Medley last season, everyone was, remember, everyone was shouting, oh, play Medley, play Medley. Um, he's hardly played for the under 23s this season. Now, that's how far backwards he's gone. So you've got to be careful. You know, a lot of the Chelsea players that they're raving on about, they had been on loan for quite a lot of games before they came back this season. Sometimes Our young players. Yeah, all your players are coming straight from under-23s and we're expecting quite a lot of them, so we've just got to be careful, really. True. Right, Josh Robinson has asked us a question, which I don't want anybody to answer. He says, would you take finishing in top four at the expense of being up all night with prickly heat? Now, Josh, you had a brilliant question asked on Askcast. I, I think you've, uh, you've, you've, you've wasted your best question on them and you've sent us one because I don't even know what up all night with prickly heat means. Does anybody know? There you go, Josh. There's your answer. Right. Uh, Simon, from Tone, can we win the league with Cronky as the owner? I like that. <sighs> well, that's, <laughs> that's a million-dollar question, isn't it? Um, we're certainly a long way from away from it at the moment. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think in time we can, but the issue is at the moment, the spending power we have is nowhere near <laughs> Liverpool or Manchester City, is it? So, um, unless Cronky, we know he's got the money, don't we? Uh, unless we see a change in the spending power, uh, it's no. But we can, in theory, yes. I mean, Leicester, Leicester won the freaking league, didn't they? So, yes, very true. Um, 
Okay, Matt L. Roberts for you, Femi. Should we be moving to make an appointment as quickly as possible or try and get someone in the end of the season? And which is the better choice going forward? We've covered this a little bit, but um, I think Matt puts this. Yeah, I think we've we've covered that. But what I would say is just make the right appointment. It doesn't matter how long it takes. You just have to. It's such an important appointment for the club because this, this will pretty much determine you know, our destination for the next five years. You know, they, the plan was apparently for the club were aiming to be back in the Champions League by this year or next year, I think is what I heard. So, you, you know, we've pretty much just wasted 18 months and to waste another 18 months would, you know, just leave us just, just behind teams like Wolves and teams that have structure already. Okay. Well, this is more of a point from Siddharth. Um, he says, on a recent Joe Rogan podcast, probably one of the reasons, uh, probably one of the reasons for Bellerin's declining performance is his transition to veganism. This got me a little bit worried. Now, if you want to go on uh, the Joe Rogan experience, episode number 1389 uh, on YouTube, if you... Uh, no, if you listen to it on podcast, go to about one hour 26 because he has 10 minutes of adverts at the beginning. So on YouTube, it's about one hour 16. Chris Cresser said that Cam Newton went vegan and had the worst season of his life. He struggled for fitness, struggled to recover from injury and couldn't keep weight on. And then he gave examples for other sportsmen who went vegan and struggled as they need four to five thousand calories a day. But he did say that some are, vi- are fine and some struggle. Has anybody got any thoughts on that? Because I don't know what to make of it. Personally, I, I'm, a, I'm a carnivore. I don't eat vegetables. At least the way I look at it, a cow can run away. A carrot can't. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> it's a lifestyle choice, isn't it? it it's You obviously need to compensate for your, your protein and things like that. But there are alternatives out there. I think it's just your body getting used to. It. I do uh, agree with the injury sort of setup because I think that's I, the main part. Yeah, I think uh, the lot of things that you may get from maybe fish and to an extent meat as well, you're, you're lacking. And if you're trying to um, find a replacement in that with another food, I just don't think it has the same qualities, no matter how many vitamins you may take. But none of us are experts. Are anybody else got any views on this veganism thing? Archie's put blaming vegans for bellowing injury. <laughs> yeah, I, I did watch that Netflix documentary. I don't know if you've seen. There's like the plant-based one, and it did make me want to give up meat. And then I was just really wanted a burger, so I didn't. But... <laughs> Jeez, I've actually in my diet, I've had to give up bread and lactose. And if you're lucky enough to be a member of any of the groups in ABW, you will see that most days of the week I'm shitting and puking because my arthritis, I take an injection and I take other stuff, which means I'm constantly fucking ill from it. And if I had a, if I had a vegan diet, I'd be perfectly fine. That's how much I hate veganism that I'm still on the meat and I'm still on a sneaky bit of cheese. But I would and, just... and we will we will live stream that for a <laughs> right donation. <laughs> Yesterday I was ill from six p.m. until three a.m. Just oh, dry heaving because it just makes me ill. But there you go. That's the, the trouble to life. Uh, Femi, you got any dietary input you can put into this? <laughs> no, not not in the slightest. You're All I do know is the guy that, one of the guys that I work with. Uh, he does cycling, yeah. and he's somehow said he's gonna do a vegan diet because it it boosts something. I, I don't even know what he said, but there must be. I mean, a lot of athletes have gone vegan, not just footballers. Some footballers, so there must be something that's recommended to them. But you know, and I'm sure I also have good nutritionists and you know 
doctors and sports scientists at the club, probably some of the best in the world. So I don't know. Could we argue with them, I guess. Depends whether you take it, whether um, become a vegan to prove a point or because you need it. One of those people are assholes. One of those people, good luck to you. <laughs> and two number, 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 number has said, Danny, the voice of science as we know it. There you go. Actual facts. Um, oh, Subsystem has asked, where's Sabios? Uh, Simon, still, in, still, still injured. Okay. Still injured. Be a couple, couple more weeks. There you go. That's why I'm sorry. There, it's not just a, a human quiff. He has answers to questions. Right. Um, next. Um, did I? I did do all the questions, didn't I? And then those ones, not all of them. I've got loads more. Oh, okay. Right. Back to Carl. Uh, oh, now you'll get one job at this. Pete Kennelly, our mate from Australia. So imagine this podcast buys the club, buys Arsenal. Which panel members do what jobs and why? So all three of you can think of one ABW person and that does oh by the way people um Richard and Femi and Drew are now doing stuff for ABW they're now in the ABW WhatsApp groups how does that feel Femi is it a dream come true oh, it is it is it is I mean it's just really good as a listener I've listened to every show I think so yeah it's, it's really good thanks <laughs> <laughs> well that's overwhelming <laughs> It's not, exactly, it's not the three-hour speech I wanted. At least no one come up and grab the microphone out of your hand and shouted into it. That's a good point. Uh, right, so I'll go first to give you some idea. I would have ROG and our Mr. Gunaholic, I'd have them write the match day programmes. Um, so the, there you go. Um, anybody got, uh, Simon, you got an, an idea of who you'd want? Or anybody So what? So how many members of staff am I pointing? Three well, members of staff. I got all day. Yeah. Oh, I'd, I'd lose my ideas. Though. I'd have Carpenter as manager. Uh, <laughs> Dom, Dom as head of medical. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, Jeff, Jeff as the transfer fixer. And uh, <laughs> Guna Hollick as the uh, owner and chairman because we're statesman like. So chips like role. Carl, you can we change? Oh, can we change got... Chris to the um, to the social media manager? Just just yeah, <laughs> giving it opinion. back to fans as they as they're giving it to him. <laughs> every every Arsenal tweet, unpopular opinion. Fuck and, I, and, and I'd have uh, I'd have I'd have OG as uh, as Gunnosaurus. Oh, there you go. You ready, Carl? I'd have Jason as the yoga instructor for his calm and uh, demeaning <laughs> nature. I'd have Danny as the groundsman cutting the grass because in your wheelchair you can cover um, a lot of ground quickly. Especially if I get that four by four one. Oh, hello. Exactly. Uh, I would have um, OG. <laughs> I'd have OG as head of international relations. Uh, Simon, oh, yes. ob- Simon, obviously. Um, our media correspondent, you know, leaking yep. our information as and when uh, required. Jason can be in charge of bins. <laughs> <laughs> Loki's put here. Chris's kit team kits, sleeveless, of course. <laughs> All black and sleeveless <laughs> with skull and crossbones on. I wouldn't have any said as medical because fucking all of our players would be injured every fucking game. Oh, we so. go, Cole. You got a little bit of heat here. Josh says, Cole. Oh, who, who the fuck is Josh? Fuck Josh. <laughs> um, I wouldn't. I'd fire Josh straight. I'd hire him as something. I'd fire him the same day. Uh, but yeah, I think the best one I've heard is uh, what Simon said, Jeff, as a uh, head of. Uh, our transfer international fixtures. I'm oh, sorry, head of head of uh, yeah, head of uh, fixing contracts. Bloody he hell, managed to get Messi for twenty five quid. <laughs> <laughs> Don, Don Don Jeff Arsenal. That's what it is. That's it. 
Uh, <laughs> Archie's put. <laughs> Imagine Carl sending the team to Arsenal. They wouldn't make uh, to Newcastle. They wouldn't make it. <laughs> We'd be fine. Just to start our day early. <laughs> okay, right. Start with you again, Carl. Um, Archie, why are the club? Why are we the only club where we have to worry about FFP? Ornstein leaking. We don't want to spend big on a new manager. Yet Spurs have done. And with a new stadium, they got Jose. I have edited that a little bit and made it worse. Sorry, Archie. Because we're the only club in the whole of the Premier League whose owner hasn't put a single penny into the club. That's the reason why we are literally one of the only clubs who are self has to be self-sustaining. All other twenty Premier League clubs, and please, someone correct me if I'm wrong, uh, have had money put into them by their owners, and we haven't. So yeah, that's the that, why. Yeah. There we go. Loki adding to the last thing. John, sexual healthcare expert. <laughs> okay, next question is for Simon. Echo's looking at me. Keeps flashing. It's been a meanie. Um, right. Uh, from Dave Atkinson, can Freddie till the end of the season, or can Freddie manage till the end of the season? I know he has an A license, but does he have them all? Now, Simon, wasn't there a little bit of. Um, unsure about whether he did stuff with the Welsh FA and something about the Welsh FA have closed their applications for the pro licence yesterday. Yeah, this was a weird one because, um, so it all sort of, it started on Twitter actually, all the sort of rumours and someone correctly picked it up um, and then it was put by myself and a few others to the club who said he was all fully acquired, had a UA for pro licence. The Welsh FA, I think, may have come out publicly and said, or it was reported that they had said something differently. And the Welsh FA just is normally where a lot of managers do their badges. I think Omri did his there, Arteta did his there. Um, and the issue is he might remember gigs a few years ago when he had the United temporary job. So you can normally do it for sort of three months and need to badge in that time. Um, Arsenal still sort of saying there's no issue at all. He's got all his badges, all his licenses. They're not phased at all. So. Isn't there a database you can go and have access to? Uh, I don't know. I mean, you can just literally ring up the Welsh FA if you really wanted to, and they'll probably tell you. Um, but uh, the Arsenal seem completely relaxed, confident about it. They don't see any issues. Um, so I don't think it'll be be a problem at all. Good. There you go. Right, next question for you, Femi. Um Okay, Richard Garrett says, out of all the podcast pundits, who would make the best manager? I mean, you can include all other podcasts as well. Oh, my gosh. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Where am I going to go with that one? Uh, who have I heard talk the most sense over this? Well, that's this ABW ruled out. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I like, uh, I like the sound of Gunaholic as manager. He's yeah, wise. I think I think he's so level-headed, he's so calm, uh, he talks so much sense. Like, when you listen to him, you can actually see what he's saying. It would galvanise a club. You know, I, I, I like that. That's my shout, anyway. Lovely. Right, we've got three more questions, <laughs> one each. Um, Karen's asked two, but I'm going to ask just this one for you, Carl. If that's the case, what do you think of Pep as our new next manager? Believe me, I would be ecstatic if this ever if this happened. The Good. problem with Pep is there's not many times I side with Chris, but I'm going to side with him. He needs money. Anywhere he's gone, he's 
he spent money by Munich. He spent money at Manchester City. Clearly, he spent money Barcelona. He spent money. Pep Guardiola is an absolutely wonderful manager. I have no doubt about that. And I think whether I think he could come in and change Arsenal, I don't know. That's, that'll be a test of his powers. However, the money that Pep wants to spend, Arsenal do not and will not ever have that money. Uh, never. And I, I truly believe that he will leave Man City at the end of this season if they don't win the ch- uh, Champions League. See what Josh um, has Cal. What do you say? The problem with Pep is he's too successful. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, but I just think that the money that he would want to come in and spend, we will not have that. We 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 just won't spend that sort of sort of money. So uh, I think there's an issue with you can say to Pep, okay, well you have to work with what you've got, um, or you can buy limited players, and I just don't think that Pep Guardiola is going to want to do that. So that's for me. Oh, breaking news from Josh Ancelotti's just been sacked. Oh, I bet he's also going to come down now. Napoli or Lazio, one of them two? Napoli. Napoli's that. Always got the two teams mixed up. Yeah, so... He apparently very much wants the Arsenal job, Ancelotti. But I think that might be more his side than our side. Well, he's only 60. He's got a face of someone who's 75. He has managed... (laughs) He's got the eyebrows. He's one with the eyebrows, isn't he? Going back Napoli, Bayern Munich, Real Madrid, PSG, Chelsea, Milan, Juventus, Parma, Reggiana. And uh, what trophies has he won? I hear nobody ask. He has won as a player. He won the league with Roma, the league twice with Milan, international, third place in the World Cup. He's won uh, the league with um, AC Milan and the Champions League twice with AC Milan. And uh, the Premier League, the FA Cup and Community Shield with Chelsea. He's won the league with PSG. He's won the Champions League with Real Madrid. He's won the league and the German Cup with Bundes- with um, Bayern Munich. I guess, nah, too good for us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so so back to the original question. Yes. Um, I, I'd love to see Pep Guardiola at our club. I think I'd love to see Pep Guardiola when he left uh, Barcelona before he took a sabbatical to go to Bayern Munich and... I wish that that was the time that Arsene Wenger had left and brought Pep in, but that wasn't to be. But uh, w- the odds of him coming to us, I think, are very slim to none, if I'm really honest. Uh, quick question, Simon. Have you heard any rumours about him leaving in the summer? No? I'm muted. Um, oh. Sorry. Was that self-muting to save yourself? Let's do it again. Um... <laughs> There's my main sort of rumours flying about it being the Ober and Lacquer contract. Other than that, that's been the main sort of rumours I've seen flying around. I haven't seen anything else. Where, where have you seen or where have you heard? Or No, just uh, uh, you will see some sort of rumours flying around about, you know, the project at Man City is kind of... He doesn't really stay in the job for very long anyway, and I think mm. it's coming to the point where I think if they don't win Champions League, yeah. then... You know, has he done all he can do at Man City? Yeah, um, I think the thing with Pep, we we sort of found with Barca and Bayern, didn't we, where he gets sort of two, three years in, it feels like the players almost get worn out by his methodology and he's so intense in his coaching. Um, And and to be fair to Pep, he's had to sort of fight the rumours a bit that, you know, that he's not going anywhere. Um, I think Josh was sort of saying in the chat that that it sounds like that, you know, Pep is going off. So... Um, and the whole Van Bronckhorst thing, maybe that's aligning. I mean, City want him there as long as possible, but at the end of the day, it's going to be when Pep's had enough, he's going, isn't it? You know, he's going to have 
full display. And, and the one people were talking about is whether, you know, he wanted to go back to Bayern and do another stint there. I, I wonder with Pep whether once he's done City, I'm not sure where else he really goes. Italy. Yeah, yeah. that's what I was thinking. Italy, maybe, thinking, yeah. He, he also strikes me as someone who could retire quite early and think, you know, I've had enough. Yeah, I I don't think he'll leave. I, I I had a thought he would leave City even before the rumours, but then I just really thought about where else is he going to go after City. I think he might find it a bigger challenge to refresh this Man City squad because they've. I mean, he's got unlimited money. They've just got some silly sponsorship deal last week, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, exactly. He does, so he does I, basically have his own football club. He's not going to get that. Yeah, exactly. So, mm. Yeah, I think he'll he'll stay. Right, final couple of questions. One for um, you, um, Femi, from Archie. Do you think Arsenal need players like Grealish from Villa or Dunk from Brighton to come in and add that English grit? Quick to turn away players like this would would improve our turn. Oh my god! I was Jim. thinking about Jack Grealish on Monday, actually Monday night or something like that yesterday. You yeah, to Radio Five, and they had this something. Yeah. And I they were saying, oh, we, we went down, we'd, we'd never sell him. And then someone rang up when actually, when Villa did go down, he was the first to put in a transfer request. So, yeah, <laughs> I think he would be an excellent signing. Um, I've been so impressed with him um, since since he got his head together, basically, and stopped all the, you know, immature getting drunk and partying out in places. <laughs> He's been a uh, it would be an excellent signing. I just, I mean, when you think about it, the reason why I was even thinking about him was because talking about James Madison at Leicester and how you can't, you know, there's players out there that, you, you know, we turn up as Arsenal fans, we turn our nose up at a lot of players, but some of them are like actually really, really good. If you just take a punt on them, I don't see how Grealish is any worse than, Sorry to say this, Mesut Ozil. I know I'll probably get shouted at. Yeah, I just don't see what the the difference is in quality. You know, Mesut Ozil is is on the way down. Grealish is on the way up. It will just cost a lot of money. And if if he goes to Tottenham, you know that's one that you'd probably regret. So I think there are players out there. He's got yeah, one players out there. We just have to start making sensible transfer decisions you know i hope we we do really i mean we just have to scout players better we just have to do everything better to be honest and look at premier league ready players that's probably the best way to rise up the pitch to be on up the table now jolly good right we've got one more yes no question gentlemen get your shout outs ready your gentlemen's nods your ladies hellos get them ready we're going to get all this done and we've done it within five minutes because I think Mrs. Quiff might be home and someone's having pot noodle for dinner if we don't get on with it. <laughs> right, so the final question is, um, for Marble Horse TV, should we sell Lacquer for £80 million and get in a top-level centre-back? Carl? We wouldn't get £80 million for Lacquer. I don't know, sorry, then. To, sorry to press it once, Marble But would you sell him if it meant we could get maybe £50, £60 million for him and spend that on a centre-back? Who wouldn't get 56 million for him? I'm sorry, I don't know where people are getting these numbers from, but um, yes, I would. If we can get decent money for him, uh, FME? Yes. <laughs> but, then, <laughs> but, then, but then would Aubameyang just want to leave us? I don't know. We can't someone sell both said, of them, can we? Someone said in the chat box, just make sure whoever we get is good mates with Aubameyang, we'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What if we? Oh, we're going to lose both of them, aren't we? Let's just be honest. Just prepare ourselves for the worst. Okay, Simon. Uh, 
Yeah, I get, I get the feeling that if Laka wants to go, then get rid of him. Mm. The only reason he came is because Atletico were on a transfer ban, wasn't mm. it? The thing I worry with him is that he's still he's not won any trophies, and I just worry if he's getting to that point where he's a bit like mm, he's starting to get slightly pissed off. Because Barca are looking to get a replacement for Suarez, aren't they? Mm. And I would keep over 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 Laka if it was one of the two. Hundred percent. Okay, right. Next thing we're going to move on to Vice Forum. How long will Freddie get before some of our fans want him out? Matt L. Roberts. Bet it's already started. Considering people are blaming the way he dresses already. Uh, Luca. One more game. Bobby. Check check your booty. Depends how upon how much of an idiot they are. I've seen people that have tweeted this already already this thing mark fine some dumb shits already want him out after only a day of training and the normal gooner it's too late some twats already turned on him how did our fan base fall from being full so far from one of the classiest clubs around so there you go um, carl that is all the questions in the five form all we need to do now is uh, you to shout at us until we tell you who our gentleman's nod is, and then mention who's on the show tomorrow. Oh, and Movember. Yes, yes, yes. We need to uh, definitely mention Movember. So, um, Danny has kindly put into my DMs. He sliding slid into my DMs, I should say. £959 so far. But Josh Company said they will double it. And it is. Or double his, and it is one thousand six hundred and seventy-three pounds. I need to say a massive thank you to every single person who's donated. It is a absolutely lovely cause what you're what you're donating for, and it's not too late, is it, Danny? Still, yeah. No, you can still donate if you want to. The last two donators were Simon put in uh, a two hundred thousand pound, and Jason put in fifty p. So yeah, thank you very much for that. Yes, I need to thank every single person. Like I said, the calls is, is a magnificent calls. And again, from the bottom of everyone's hearts at ABW, a, a much, much, much massive thank you uh, to every single person. Um, right, we're going to do shout outs because fuck your gentleman's nods, Danny, because we're down with the kids and we are hip. So, uh, Simon, who is your shout out to? Uh, it, it's got to be to the Movember guys I know we just shouted them out there but um, a, a brilliant effort from them for a fantastic cause I mean some of the tashes are utterly disgraceful um, but the money raised and the awareness raised you know it's fantastic you know I've know, I known people who've gone through testicular cancer going through it and things like this uh which our podcast does every now and then we do come together and for a good cause and do something good is why we all do the show. And I think a huge amount of credit deserves to go for them and, you know, hats off. Okay. Femi, who is your shout out to? Um, I'd like to give a shout out to at our when 75, um, really good interaction on Twitter. Um, had some really good conversations on Twitter this week. So it's at a L Wayne seventy five on Twitter. Much appreciated, Daniel. 
Um, my own one is going to go to a young man. I say he's a young man. I've got no idea how old he is. He was on, on Tom's podcast yesterday, and, and he said he's been listening to ABW for a while. It's at French Gooner 23, and, and he hasn't got many followers. He's a really good bloke, and he's got wonderful hair, and Tom said we can borrow him. So that's my own personal one. But from the podcast one, it's going to go to Julian Nagelsman. I know who you really are. Mr. A.H., uh, Michael Harniman, Michael Hernandez, Unique79, Michael Herma, Her, Her, Harniman again for all your donations doing this show and the last show. They have uh, all been wrapped up in duck fat and will be put up Jason's bottom sometime in the next month. I don't know where I was going with that, so I was thinking turkey. Carl, okay. you got <laughs> I'm going to have two because I'm selfish and I'm the host and I can do what the fuck I want. So my first one is going to be the last person that followed me because that's what I always do. And it is uh, G Nick uh, 1886. Um, you're the last person that followed me, definitely. And my other one is going to go to Andrew Fife. Uh, I met him the other day for the second time. The man is possibly the nicest person you will ever meet in the whole entire world. And didn't he uh, just win a 10k? Marathon, a mini marathon, wearing a kilt. Because the man is like, he's, he's the modern day Superman, isn't he? Like, God, I love him. I know. So <laughs> go on, go for so the it's in, it. impression to do a ten k marathon, but never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so follow Simon, which is a uh, PR underscore who I think that's his uh, Twitter <laughs> name. Uh, go and follow him. <laughs> oh, Simon's in trouble. And that's, that's, that's me getting told to come eat my dinner. That's what it is. Uh, should we say hello, to, say hello to Mrs. Quiff? Hello, All right, Mrs. so Quiff. let's uh, wrap this up before oh, I get the spank body. Um, <laughs> I think Femi's gone, so we'll say bye to... Oh, Femi's back. Oh, is he back? Yeah. Oh, right, Femi is back. So, quickly, before Simon gets a, uh, a telling off and he has to sleep on the sofa, um, <laughs> we'll wrap this up. So, Femi... Thank you for joining ABW today. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you. I see Danny's had us both on at the same time again. Yes, I'm going to mention it again because every single time you're on Femi, Danny drags me on. I just think it's a, an aesthetic thing. <laughs> Carl, that's what it is. I have to tell the boys and girls at home what you said on, on after the live show the other day. Danny, what said in the... Um, in the chat stays in the chat so it's you can't say that something along oh, the line Danny, of, oh Femi's on then I'm coming on and I'm going to bully you Carl <laughs> <laughs> wasn't it technically that's a lie but you know uh, Simon always a pleasure I love reading your tweets you give us all the exclusives and you need to give us a bit more <laughs> thank you for having me on it's been very good very enjoyable Daniel, you have to be here. So I'm not going to thank you for being on. I'm just going to thank you for all the work you do for EBW because without you, as we know, none of this is possible. And thank you very much to you for making sure no one gets to work on time. Pleasure, as always. So after that, I will say thank you, dear listeners. Uh, tune in on Thursday uh, after for the radio show once we whoop Brighton 4-0. Daniel, do you know who's on? Because I don't. It is um, Ellis, Josh, and Drew, I think. And I'm on standby. Ellis is on. It's not going to be a good show then. Anyway, after that, I will say thank you again to listeners and a goodbye. Oh, hashtag fuck Ellis. As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Splendid business.